It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only here at KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances, and I've been honored to serve repeatedly as Superior Court Special Master. Office holders, lawyers, and activists appear on this show to explain the law and public policy they initiate or oppose. Last week, I had Adam Verdon on about his ideas to resolve conflicts between anti-dune buggy forces and the 2.3 million visitors who come use the Oceano Dunes State Recreational Vehicle Park. Then Ben Heilig talked about the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association initiative to restore property owners' rights to pass to their children and grandchildren their Proposition 13 tax assessments. That End the Death Tax on Family Property initiative is gathering signatures now. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. In this hour, I am very pleased to have a a talk with lawyer Saro Rizzo about the law that applies to homeowners associations and what you can do if you are in one of those. If it goes off the rails, if you're looking at a home that might be in a homeowners association. So, Saro, welcome to the show. Uh, good, Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Well, you've handled a number of uh, cases uh, involving homeowners associations. Can you just give us a general outline about what homeowners associations are and what people should look for when they're thinking about buying a home where they're going to have to join? Well, um, I first my first home I purchased uh, in 1989 was uh, in a part of a HOA mm-hmm. that's... Uh, the lingo, the shortened term we use for homeowner association, and uh, since that time, I've served on the as on the board and uh, the board of directors of the HOA because they are required to have one, and uh, I've also from time to time represented at HOAs. Um, I'm not an expert in the field, but I've had enough experience uh, with them to to know a little bit about them and what people should be aware. Uh, when they live in one or also before they uh, purchase a home. I found out sometimes people purchase a home that is part of our HOA and uh, they're not even aware of it. And uh, maybe down the road, not all, but sometimes they'll do something and they'll get a letter in the mail from sometimes a management company informing them that they're in violation of uh, CCNR with those are the... Uh, uh, conditions, rules, and regulations that govern the the HOA, and then they're surprised that uh, they couldn't paint the 
their house the color they wanted to, or they couldn't uh, change the window or something to or, that effect. Or they, they put up a hanging uh, plant on the porch and they find out that's, uh, that's forbidden by the HOA. Exactly. Those types of things come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I, you know, we go on from there. You inform them of, of, of what the rules are and, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, now it sounds a little bit like it's uh, a mini city. That is a good analogy. Uh, people are surprised that uh, you have this other layer on top of what you're, you know, you have your, your state law, then you have your county regulations or your city. But when it comes to HOA, you buy into this deal and you're subject to the rules and regulations of the HOA. And the courts are uh, um, very supportive of those, and it's basically a contract. You bought into something, and therefore part of that comes in that you need to have uh, your actions or your property subject to those rules. It's kind of a contractual obligation that you signed up for when you actually bought your your home. Exactly. Many of the Rules and Regulations Act is what we call equitable servitudes that are attached to your property. Uh, so you might not have that in the deed, but it mentions the CCNRs or the HOA, and then you have to go and read those, and then you figure, aha, these apply to to me and, and, and to, my, to the property owner. Well, folks, you're listening to lawyer Saro Rizzo, and we're talking about homeowners associations and equitable servitudes. Um, for to to kind of translate that for our listeners, a servitude means that it's something that you have to do. Exactly, and it is uh, it's attached to the property by ownership of the property. Uh, that specific uh, um, APN number, as you may, uh, or that condominium, these are attached to it. So it, it's, it acts as a burden mm-hmm. to, to, to your normal rights that you would have of property ownership. It's actually part of – it's usually referenced in the deed, and, uh, and it might just reference another document where these uh, CCNRs exist. So you have to go look at that. Um, and it's not a bad idea for a homeowner who has one of those to keep that particular document close at hand. <clears throat> exactly. Nowadays, when you uh, purchase a, uh, if you're the first-time purchaser in uh, in a property that is controlled by AHOA or subject to an HOA, um, you know, years ago they gave you the big white binder, and uh, you're so excited about your house, you just typically threw that in the closet with all the other warranties. Never read it. Yeah, exactly. That you know, all the other warranties you had with your refrigerator and whatnot, <laughs> and uh, you really never paid too much attention until something comes up. And, uh, well, we've all seen the uh, ads uh, on TV where somebody's in the Homeowners Association and uh, they've put up their mailbox and here comes the president of the Homeowners Association with a chainsaw and cuts it down because it's one inch too close to the street. Uh, Sometimes sometimes this can be fairly unreasonable. Uh, Are there regulations that... Homeowners associations have to abide by, so that they don't become oppressive. Yes, <clears throat> the um, there is a, a reasonable standard that applies to the equitable servitudes or the actions of the board in enforcing or adopting new regulations or rules. Um, 
so there's a reasonable standard and if it gets to that point finally you know you try to avoid litigation but if it gets to that point mm -hmm. uh the courts will uh look at regulations from a reasonable standard however though they will grave uh, they give great deference to the uh to the boards in into the rules and regulations that they have adapted kind of like the business judgment rule that we're aware of the courts read uh, into they won't question the way a business does business as long as it's legal mm -hmm. uh, they won't question the rationale of a uh, of a board in adopting regulations uh, for example the issue of short-term rentals has come comes up uh, you might have an HOA that says uh, we don't have something on the book saying that you can't have like an Airbnb two-day, three-day rental in the neighborhood and maybe you they decided there's a lot of parting going on, especially in areas that are under big demand like uh, beach properties sure. or mountain uh, properties where people like to vacation. Mm -hmm. So the HOA might sit there and saying, let's have a new policy where we don't allow short-term rentals. That type of thing takes a vote of the majority of all the members of it, and they pass it, and then it becomes a rule. So the, the board can't decide that. They have to put it to the entire membership. Yeah, many of the times the vote needs to go to, uh, to the membership. So at that point, you'll, you'll have many times, it, it, and it also depends on the size. You know, you have HOA sometimes comprising of, you know, 10 units, a small condominium, or it can go up to, you know, thousands of homes. And that at leads to other issues involved, you know, as far as uh, uh, the ability to, to actually have meetings or enough participation. I think a lot of HOAs have the problem that they don't have people get involved. If you're a member of a, you know, they have elections uh, every two years or one year dictated by what the rules and regulations that they have. But the problem that many have and is that they don't have enough people getting involved. They're actually running for the elections or mm -hmm. getting involved. Uh, sometimes they'll have, you know, monthly meetings, annual meetings, and I tell people uh, all the time to be involved, become a director, at least show up to once of the meetings, once a year, vote, and participate. It helps them know what they're into, and it also helps them understand, and it can alleviate a lot of problems. Well, Saro, that's actually good advice because if you think about it, when you buy a house with a HOA, you have a hand in everybody else's home, and they have a hand in yours that's, that's a member of that uh, particular body. So if you're not involved, if you just abdicate your participation, essentially your ability to live in your home peacefully is going to be impacted, with, and you're going to get surprised uh, and offended because uh, all of a sudden all your neighbors are telling you uh, you can't have a hanging plant on your porch. <clears throat> yeah, just like anything you try to get, get yeah. people, uh, knowledge is power, mm -hmm. and participating is, uh, in the HOA, I, I strongly recommend being informed. Yeah. A lot of times they'll have uh, various committees where you don't need to be on the board, but they'll have committees uh, overtaking, you know, uh, certain things there might if there's a lot of trails they might have a trail committee they might have a uh, beautification committee they might have a tree committee if there's a lot of trees involved sure uh the thing is uh remember that the hoa typically owns what they uh refer to as the master common area 
that is the area uh, that might be the roads that might be the open space where your HOA is uh, in certain HOAs that's the the driveways or the roofs you know condominiums a lot of times will have shared roofs yeah. shared balconies or there might be a uh, a pool a gym that type of thing owned by the HOA and that's called the master common area and then uh, depending on how they're put together you might have individual homes where you own your individual lot on it but you are a member for the master common area might be the roads and the open space around your your individual Mm -hmm. but be aware that the aesthetics a lot you know will control what happens outside the home Uh, typically you can do what you want inside you can paint it green purple whatever but uh, there might be rules, architectural rules. There might be a condition or, or covenant that you'll only have a pink painted exterior or a particular color. or Exactly. Yeah, I, I, even to the point where you have a, uh, uh, a landscape committee, that's typical, or you are allowed to put certain types of plants in or certain types of trees. And barred from other kinds. Exactly, and barred from other types. So they might say no palm trees, and sometimes people come there and they'll say, oh, my God, you know, I bought this palm tree, and uh, they, I got a letter saying I need to cut it down or remove it and, uh, and whatnot. Then that's when I tell them, well, you know, look at your... CCNRs. Exactly. That big uh, white binder that you threw in the closet. Exactly. Dust it off and uh, <laughs> take a look at it. Because what happens is, uh, and, and there, you know, there's not a lot, but you, there are cases. Some of them, uh, pretty big ones, come down uh, through, through our local Superior Court and uh, they get published by the Court of Appeal. They go up there and the Court of Appeal thinks it's important enough. It becomes a published opinion. Basically, becomes a law in the jurisdiction. Because uh, if you. If you have a beef with your homeowners association, where do you go in the court system? Well, a lot of times uh, under the Davis Sterling Act, which was the original founding act that the California put the legislator, I think in the uh, early seventies, mm-hmm. uh, rules and regu- uh, basically a whole set of laws. A lot of are found in the corporations code or the, I believe, and. Uh, it's a, it's a growing area of law. There's always more and more added to it because as people get litigious then they they uh, they make new rules and laws in, in Sacramento either protecting the HOA or protecting the individuals uh, who reside in him um, but nowadays a lot of times they'll be having a, a mediation prerequisite before you uh, litigate um, so if you have a beef and you can't resolve it, basically, it, it, it a lot of the times the HOA rules will have uh, procedures before you sue. Mm-hmm. Say that you went to uh, you wanted to do an addition to your to your home, and then you went before the architectural committee and they said no, we don't like it. Uh, you could only have three windows instead of the five that you want, and then you say no, I don't want to do that, and they deny your permit or your application and then you might say okay well then bring it before the full board and then the board board will say no we agree with the recommendation of the architectural committee uh, at which point then you upset you want to sue right so there might be a mediation uh, provision some before you do it you would have mm-hmm. to sit there can we mediate this agreement disagreement and if uh, based upon that you might have the ability then to initiate uh, litigation in the superior court 
But be aware, though, that uh, a lot of times there are attorney's fees provisions in these uh, in the statute. So, so if you lose, you pay the uh, fees for the other side. Exactly, you pay the HOA's fees. And uh, I've seen cases where. Uh, the dispute seemed minimal or very small to begin with, fighting over, you know, uh, the color of the paint or something like that. And then the person keeps on pounding against their chest and they, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. spend three years in litigation and they end up with uh, a, uh, a judgment against them for three or $400,000 in attorney's fees. For a $2,000 paint job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, well, folks, you're listening to lawyer Saro Rizzo. We're talking about homeowners associations and CCNRs and what you can do. Now, now, Saro, if you institute this litigation, the Superior Court is not an appellate court for the board when they denied it, are they? No, they're not. They uh, okay. they look at it all brand new, you know. They, they'd want to make, they're going to look at to whether or not you initiated litigation before you did that, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you abided by all uh, the the requirements before you got there, kind of like uh, what we call uh, exhaustion of remedies. Right. When we sue the uh, initiate litigation against a government agency. Okay. And they aren't going to interfere with the board's decisions unless the board's decisions either violate the law or are patently unreasonable. Exactly. Okay. They'll okay. give deference to it. Like yeah. I said first is like, uh, and, the, and the rationale is you bought into this. Kind of not not buyer beware to the extreme, but yeah, you, you know, be careful of what you're you're getting into, and be aware of the power of it. Like I said, it's like a uh, a, a jurisdiction in and of itself that has the ability to, like you said, a, a little city, and uh, the rules and regulations need to be followed as long as they're reasonable. Sure, you may be able to fight city hall, but it's harder to fight uh, the HOA. I bet. Yeah, sometimes, you know, and uh, you see situations where people don't participate uh, in the HOA or the monthly meetings or uh, or they kind of, you know, think that they can uh, not pay attention or they get the letters from the HOA and they tear them up and they throw them away and then they're wondering why, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they wake up and they're getting threatened with a legal letter. That's right. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I've seen it for cases where people don't uh, don't maintain their outdoor uh, property uh, they clutter their front yard full of junk or they put pink flamingos out there or whatever um, these are analogies or, or or examples of what happens and then the you know the architectural committee or the aesthetic committee will sit there and say we think that's junky or we don't like the way it is and you need to clean it up so well and and let's let's turn that around a little bit uh what are the remedies that the HOA has against the particular individual homeowner who puts up the pink flamingos and uh, uh, against those? Well, uh, typically they have the ability to fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, before they get to that point, they need to have hearings and they need to have a written policy uh, of what the uh, what your rights are as a homeowner to to petition to be heard. Uh, it's basically a due process minus, uh, but you need to sit there and have the ability to to, 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 to hear your grievances one way or not. But the thing is, they have the ability to fine, and you know the fine could be anywhere from you know fifty dollars per violation to a hundred dollars to three hundred to four hundred violations uh, uh, per violation, and then the ability to convert that into a lien 
on your property. Mm-hmm. So if a person keeps on saying, well, I don't care. Uh, if there's a $50 fine per day for having the pink flamingos up, um, you know, eventually you can lose your property. Well, if you they, just, can, they can lean it. It's yeah. typically what mm-hmm. happens. And a lot of comes it'll come uh, happens with remarks to monthly dues. That's another thing we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, assessments, basically. Sure. And uh, if it's determined you you owe a certain amount of money, you don't pay it. Uh, they have the ability to turn that into a lien, and a lien your property. So at one point or not, when you sell it, that won't clear escrow until those liens are cleared out. Or they could even uh, initiate litigation if it gets to the point where your actions are deemed to be a nuisance and uh, you actually have a court coming in saying you have to stop doing that. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and we're talking with Saro Rizzo. He's a lawyer right here in San Luis Obispo, and he's got a fair amount of experience with Homeowners Association, and he's been on the board of his own Homeowners Association. Well, Saro, we we, uh, have to take a break here pretty soon. How's our time, Joe? Okay. So one of the things I thought we should uh, let our listeners know, if they want to look up anything to do with Homeowners Association, the the uh, Davis-Sterling Act, it's kind of an interesting history, but it can be uh, located in Civil Code Section 4000 through 6150. Um, and it's uh, it's an interesting history. There was a uh, legislator named Sterling, and he uh, proposed this law after uh, he saw that homeowners associations sometimes were abusing their members. Uh, and uh, Gray Davis, uh, he got Gray Davis to put his name on it, and that's how he got it on the floor, and it got signed by uh, Governor Duke Majin, of all folks. So it ended up being kind of bipartisan. Stay tuned, folks. Right after this hard break and the news and some ads, we're going to have more discussion with attorney Saro Rizzo about homeowners associations. Yeah. 